Hello and welcome to the Atlantic Fellows Podcast. I'm Fanula Sweeney. The Atlantic Fellowship Program works with a diverse community of leaders around the world with a common commitment to fairer, healthier, more inclusive societies. Through its seven programs focused on equity in healthcare, socioeconomic equity, and racial equity, the Atlantic Fellowships offer committed leaders across the globe an opportunity to gain new perspectives and new colleagues while strengthening their competence and confidence in their work for change. In each podcast, I'll be speaking to an Atlantic Fellow about their work and ambitions for a more just world. I'm speaking with Chen Hui Lu, Atlantic Fellow for Health Equity in Southeast Asia. Chen Hui is based in Beijing and is co-founder and chief operating officer with Apricot Forest Inc., which produces apps to improve patient care. We met at Rhodes House in Oxford, where the Atlantic Institute is based. Chen Hui was attending a forum there, and it gave me an opportunity to ask her about her work in China. First of all, Chen Hui, is there a typical day for a physician in China? Well, it's a hard question to answer because China is a really large country with three million physicians, and their daily practice very large. But I can give you an example for my classmate. We graduate from the same medical school. Like, how is the daily life for a doctor at a tertiary hospital for their outpatient service? They need to see at least twenty patients for half a day, four hours. Uh, usually, it's over forty to fifty patients. So they can only meet them for five minutes, and that's it. Is that because there's a shortage of doctors in China? Yes and no. There's a shortage of doctors, considering doctors per capita. Another thing is the quality issues. Without the regulation going on here in UK, that you need to see your primary doctor first before you are referred to the tertiary hospital, the specialties. In China, people can go wherever they want to go. That means then everyone wants to go to the so-called best doctors. That's why my colleagues in the tertiary hospital they are really busy with all these patients. But meanwhile, for doctors in the remote areas, for rural areas, or doctors working in the community center, they don't really have that many patients. For example, the ones I've been working on is the rural healthcare reform project in Ningxia, which is the western part of China. I was training rural doctors there. For a single doctor, they need to cover like four villages located very far away from each other. But it's not like they're busy with crowds of people coming to them in these remote areas. So there's quite a disparity then for doctors. Living in different parts of China. Yes, definitely. Is this something that people think needs to be improved? Oh yes, that's for sure. That's why I work on Apricot Forest from the very beginning. This is the company that you co-founded, and、yeah. you're also the chief operating officer. What was the idea behind it? I'm from Peking Uni Medical College, PUMC, which is one of the best medical school in China. We often talk about the three treasures in our hospital. The three treasures are library, professor, and the medical records. Which means, for student there or for doctor working there, they have access to all the up-to-date information in the medical world through the library. 
they can learn from previous doctors through the medical records stored in that hospital. And also they can consult with the senior professors there to learn from their experience. When I was working on the rural projects in Ningxia, I find it's hard for doctors there to be able to function in their daily practice because they don't have the necessary tools or information to help them to work in an environment like that. Meanwhile, the government is talking about we're going to build the infrastructure to have the internet and the laptop for the physicians there, but it took long years to make it happen. At the same time, that is around 2010 and 2011, mobile phone was so popular. Everyone in that rural areas have a mobile phone. They have a smartphone. They can easily use that to talk to their family. I still remember there's one director from the township health center, and he was telling me about all these new features probably will come up with iPhone. Can you imagine in rural China and people are talking about things like this? So at that time, I was thinking, okay, it seems this mobile strategy could be a useful channel to have all these three treasures accessible to doctors in those areas. That's how we came up with the idea of apricot forest. So we basically build the three treasures online in the mobile apps for now, how did you do that do you have any experience in computer coding we hire a lot of uh, engineers and also meanwhile we work with medical publishers we work with physicians to develop things like clinical updates journals literature guidelines reference database all these things available it's basically like rebuild the library in your pocket that's why we call that electronic pocket for doctors and now it's used by 25% of doctors across China. This year, I think we reached 120 million, beyond one third of uh, Chinese physicians. That is great. And how do you scale up a business like that, or do you? We were very lucky. When we get started, there weren't that many players in the medical world building apps for medical professionals. Also, most doctors talk to each other, so we sort of grow naturally with the trend. And now, do you have plans for expansion or is it just organically growing all the time? Yeah, right now we have more local collaboration with schools, with professional communities. So you know what it's like to be a doctor in a rural community in China, as well as in the city, a city like Beijing. That is a wonderful, holistic experience to have. Did that in any way influence you wanting to join the equity initiative? Yeah, definitely. What's interesting is before I joined the equity initiative, I'm only treating myself like a for-profit entrepreneur, like I'm on the evil side of the <laughs> commercialized world. But after I joined the program, I talked to some of the fellows. They listened to what I'm doing. They say, okay, that's actually the social enterprise. And you hadn't thought of that before? Never. I never thought about it in that way. That's also what I find is interesting. This forum is not just about entrepreneurship. This is also about entrepreneurship with a social impact. You're referring, of course, to the forum that's taking place here this weekend at Rhodes House, the Ventures Forum, which is very much focused on social entrepreneurship. So the people you were talking to gave you this idea that there might be more to life than just making money. You could have a social impact as well. Mm -hmm. Initially, we were thinking about we want to 
empower physicians in China in their daily practice. That's the initial thought. After joining the fellowship, we began to think about we want to empower physicians for what? For what kind of purpose? So that's actually lead us to the next step. We want to provide better service to people. That's the whole meaning behind empowering physicians. So for me, this fellowship broadened my vision about how you can incorporate the experience from other countries. For example, the new things we have been doing, we actually incorporate the experience from UK, like how the primary care system function here, and how you can actually help the doctors who are doing primary care service to function better inside the system. Also, in my mind, I'm thinking. Maybe there are certain things we have been practicing in China can be applied to other places. Among the fellows, we are talking about things we can do together and whether certain experience can be applied to other countries. Of course, there's a lot of infrastructure policy issues we need to、uh, sort through, but I can see there's、uh, great potential there. So you're a physician. You're also a businesswoman. And when you were in medical school, you founded an online public health education network. That in turn led to the Chinese Medical Student Association being established. What did that aim to do? Initially, it's very simple. After two thousand three, SARS broke out in China. At that time, I was in my medical school. I realized there are so little things I know about public health and how to deal with disasters like this. That's not the kind of thing you've been taught in medical school. The idea was very simple: we want to learn more about public health in the current medical curriculum, but nobody is teaching us. So, we want to teach ourselves. What's interesting is that organization is still going on inside school. Students will get together to make it an opportunity to connect, and also to see what kind of、uh, impact they can bring together. For example, with that group, students were working on tobacco control issues under the support of、uh, Gates Foundation, because right now in China, smoking is still a huge problem, even among doctors. Many doctors actually smoke. So you're extremely proactive in your country, and through the fellowship, it sounds like you really want to be engaged overseas as well. Do you see a lot of room for collaboration and cooperation between different countries? To be honest, I'm still learning. There are many interesting things going on. Many things I didn't know before joining. Because in China, most of the time we hear about things happening in U.S. or in U.K., but you rarely hear about things happening in Vietnam, in Myanmar, in South Africa. So I'm still learning. There are certain things we have been talking about with my fellows in Vietnam, and. Let's see what will happen in the future. I'm personally interested to find out whether Chinese traditional medicine is incorporated in any way in the scientific evidence-based medicine that is practiced in China. Actually, traditional Chinese medicine (TCM) has been widely practiced inside China. Interestingly, although I'm not from a traditional Chinese medicine background, what we are building. It has been used by many、uh, TCM doctors. They are using our apps also to check the references. Also, 
it's a common practice for them to track patient records, to follow up patients online. They actually like these kind of new things. So traditional Chinese medicine coexists happily with conventional Chinese medicine. Is traditional Chinese medicine supported at all by the government in China, like conventional medicine is? It has been receiving a lot of support from the government recently. A Chinese scientist received the Nobel Prize for medicine for the discovery of the drug to treat malaria. So there has been a lot of support from the government, from the academy about TCM. It has been practiced for thousands of years, and there are some goodness from that practice. It actually needs a way to abstract what is the good thing in that practice using the methodology from the modern medicine. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you for having me. And that was Chen Hui Lu, Atlantic Fellow for Health Equity in Southeast Asia. For more information, you can visit www.equityinitiative.org or www.atlanticfellows.org. I'm Fanula Sweeney, and you've been listening to an Atlantic Fellows podcast.